and welcome to the Embodied Life Coaching Podcast with me, Louise Lewis. I am a mindset and body-based life coach specialising in helping people understand and resolve the deep-seated patterns that hold them back from having a life that looks and feels extraordinary. Through a series of solo episodes and conversations with guest experts, I will explore how incorporating bodywork, whether that be somatic-based exercises, biology and cellular health, or nervous system healing, is an essential addition to your personal development work. If you are familiar with therapy, coaching, or counseling, and feel like there's been a missing piece of the puzzle, keep listening, because the bodywork and nervous system pieces may be it. I can't wait to share these life-changing materials with you. It's time to live a full life from a place where you are deeply connected to your mind, body, and soul. Get ready. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I have with me Emily Slahetka and Emily is a fantastic coach and she's been one of my clients and I love it a bit and I'm so glad that she is on today. Um, Emily will talk a little bit more about what she does but she has a big corporate job and brings all of that knowledge and and expertise but combines it with mindset coaching intuition which I'd love to know more about um from kind of Emily's perspective and then some other body work as well so it's a really the way I see it anyway it's a really holistic approach to supporting people in their journeys and their goals um so Emily thank you for being here if you want to say hello and let the listeners know a little bit about you that'd be amazing well, hello, Louise. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So I, first of all, can I just say I love your work and I feel like it's so needed and anybody who has a corporate type of job would highly benefit from working with you. I know I have. Um, Thank you. One of the things that really attracted me to your work, and it also informs a lot of the work that I do, is the fact that I did have a burnout experience, which I think is really, really prevalent in corporate America, which is where I work. <laughs> and um, we sort of just think like, oh, this is just the way it is. Like, I just had to figure out how to manage it. And, you know, if only I could do a better job with managing my time at work. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> um, and I, I had a couple different burnout experiences one of like two of them actually I didn't even realize were burnout experiences until working with you um but I was at the point where I actually had recovered from burnout and I was working in a job which is my current job that I really like and I was working remotely and I had created a really good working environment for myself but I noticed some of the patterns coming back in and I was like what is going on here like I figured out how to take breaks during the day and you know I I'm not working in an office and I'm not commuting. So how is this happening again? Um, and so working with you really uncovered a lot of the patterns um, that people experience in the full-time working world. And then obviously, uh, I'm sure we'll get into it kind of from childhood. Um, but yeah, so I, like probably many of your listeners, have experience working full-time. Um I do enjoy what I do, um, especially because I've moved into a leadership role. And so I'm 
doing less of the work and more of the helping other people develop their own careers. And it's kind of like secret coaching, although I don't know if anyone in my full-time job would say it that way. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and I think that now that I am in a leadership position, having this work is even more important because I affect other people in a different way. And I see a lot of leaders that I work with who aren't leading, to be honest. They're barely managing themselves. And so it, you know, your work is important at every stage, but certainly I have found it important as I've transitioned into that leadership stage. And then um, on the coaching side, I do work with um, primarily women who also um, are working in a full-time capacity. And most of them have something that they're doing on the side, whether it's a passion project that they want to bring out into the world or their own business. And, you know, on the surface, it looks like initially like setting goals. Where do you want to be in three to six months? And, you know, what does it take to get there? But ultimately, along the way, we uncover um, the mindset or the thought patterns that we have that prevent us from taking action, the boundaries that we're not setting, the fears that, you know, keep us from avoiding doing the the things that we need to do. And then um, the intuition that you mentioned, I bring in a lot of learning how to trust yourself um, to make a decision, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense to the mind. And intuition is experienced physically. So it's really important to understand how you feel in your body with all of the various emotions. And so um, that is very, that's tied very closely to the work you do, because if you're not, if you don't have that mind-body connection, it's really challenging to uncover the patterns that you've been carrying with you your entire life. Yeah, and I imagine also it's then easy to get confused between, well, when the mind overrides, well, is this my intuition or is this some kind of pre-programming, like safety mechanism default kicking in to be like, no, don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, and I think even, you know, speaking of just like Western society, women are conditioned to not trust themselves and to second guess themselves and to look externally for like the right thing to do. And so um, even untangling some of those patterns is really interesting work. Yeah. And and also we're so conditioned to do as we're told. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't leave an awful lot of space for think for yourself. So there's a couple of things that I just wanted to pick up on what you said there about, you know, it's very easy to, and I think a lot of people do this, to change jobs or to to move into a different place and to be like, you know, I've gone through this experience and so now I've put myself in a new environment. Oh, but all of the patterns are still here. And I don't know who said it. It certainly wasn't me originally. But one of the things that I always come back to is wherever we go, there we are. Mm. You know, which for me is is so it's confronting, right? Because it's like, well, no, I would if I could just escape from that thing, then I'll be okay. And it's like, oh shit, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here, and so are all of those patterns. But sometimes we do need that opening experience of, oh, okay, some of this is actually me, and, and I'm going to have to look at this at, at a deeper level. Um. So thanks for touching on that. And then the other thing I wanted to come back to was that extra level of responsibility because I think it is a responsibility when you become a leader 
you know, and that can be a leader in a corporate space. It can be a leader in in wider society, like whatever that whatever that looks like. You know, in our in the coaching space, there's lots of things around being a thought leader, right? But it's in a corporate space. There's so much evidence out there about people leaving organizations and they leave they quit bosses they don't necessarily quit organizations so a lot of the time it's it's the leader that we work with that impacts our experience of a job and I think you're right when people are because we all carry all of our stuff you know it's not you can't you don't get and people try but you don't get to go to work and turn up and suddenly become the robot and the difficult family situation and the difficult path and the whatever else is going on outside goes away. No, you take it all with you. You might try and bury it all down, but then all of a sudden you're snapping at your colleague or you're behaving in a certain way or you're over-managing and over-controlling in the workplace because maybe you feel out of control a little bit outside of work. So I love that as well. Like that, I think the word is responsibility, that extra responsibility. I've Now I am responsible for all of these people and that places a greater level of responsibility on me and how I show up and how I take care of myself day to day um I don't know if there's anything that you want to say on the back of any of that yeah I would say that it was very confronting for me to realize that there were elements of previous jobs that were more conducive to burnout But at the end of the day, it wasn't my toxic boss and my toxic work environment and all of the things that I kept taking on. It was me. I was the one who wasn't saying no or asking for help. And that was really, really confronting to recognize that. Yeah, I think it can be really hard. And and I don't know if you've heard me talk about this before, but I genuinely, so when I had my burnout in 2018, it had come on the back of work had been very busy. And Nat, my husband, had had, I know you knew knew who my husband is, he'd had a load of challenges as well. And I so deeply believed that I felt stressed because he was stressed and wasn't supporting me and because work was really busy. And getting to that place of, and and yes, like those both things, they, they both contributed, but getting to that place of, oh no, it's me. When I had been so deeply wrapped up and embedded in, being a perfectionist and everything being perfect and to say that I was Teflon coated would be an understatement you know everything was big and smiley and happy all the time and everything was great and I just got on with it and I took it all on and you're right peeling back some of those layers and being like okay maybe maybe I've got some stuff to that as well um you know is 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 part of the work it's that you know I talk a lot about stepping out of the denial and in the work I do now a lot of that is stepping out of the denial of how we think our childhoods were versus how they actually were but there's also an element of stepping out of a denial of almost like the armor that we've created for ourselves to protect ourselves from our patterns that we don't want to look at because they're uncomfortable yeah I want to give you an after, like a before and after sort of example of some of this work in action, because um, there's, I don't know, even know if it's a saying, but like work never ends, right? It'll never stop. You'll never complete your to-do list. And um, we recently in my full-time job, there 
there was a very big deliverable that needed to be completed. It needed somebody to manage it. And we did not have a person in place to do that. So I did step up to help out with this. And I reached a point where I felt really overwhelmed because it was a collateral responsibility. I still had all of my other work to do. And um, previous me would have just kind of powered through and quietly burned out on the side (laughs) and become very resentful and still like happy and delivering at work, right? Yeah. This time I rang up my boss and I said, look, I'm really overwhelmed with what's going on. I can't do both things. This is, you know, somebody else's, this is like a full-time job for somebody else that I'm also taking on right now. I know it's short-term, but it's too much. What can we do? He was like, oh, call up these two people. They definitely have the bandwidth to help and they'd be perfect for this. It was that simple. It was literally like a sentence. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. And, And you say it's that simple, but actually often there is so much there's so much patterning within our physiology, not just necessarily in our minds, but in our bodies, that that for a lot of people can actually inhibit being able to pick up the phone or jump on the Zoom or however you do it, send the email that says, I'm struggling here. Because there's a pattern in the system that shuts down that as a response because, because for whatever reason, it's been deemed not safe, not okay. So I love, I love, 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 love that you were able to do that. Yeah. And it felt so good. I felt so supported and really held, honestly, which is kind of odd to say for like a corporate (laughs) job, but it felt so good to know that there were people around me that could help out. And um, as a, like in a leadership position, I don't want my employees to burn out. I don't want them to be working more than they have the capacity for. I mean, certainly I want them to do their job and there are times where things come up that, you know, we need an all hands on deck sort of approach for a very short term, but I don't want my employees to burn out. I want them to be happy and and enjoying what they're doing, but I don't know if they are burning out if they can't tell me. And so that's the part of personal responsibility that kind of comes in. Yeah, and creating that environment where they can come and tell you, Emily, I'm struggling right now. Yeah. And for that to be a safe space. And the other thing that I just want to pick back upon that you said is, again, it can be extremely challenging. First of all, actually, it can be extremely challenging for us to even know what our needs are. Because we're so used to overriding our needs and just pushing and just getting on with it. But in that situation with your work, to not only identify your needs of like, this is too much, I'm feeling overwhelmed, like, no, But then to be able to express your needs, because again, so many of us learn really, really early on in our lives that our needs don't matter. You know, our needs aren't going to be met. They don't matter. It's easier not to have needs. So then we become these like hyper-independent adults that's like, no, I'll just do it all myself. Like, I'll just get on with it. I'll do it all. Can't rely on anybody else. No one else can do as good a job as me. Um, And I'll just get on with it. I think often that, again, contributes to to a burnout pattern, to an overwhelm pattern in the workplace, but getting to that place of not only recognising that you're struggling, because I think sometimes in burnout you don't recognise, you don't realise until it's too late because you're just like turning on, but to recognise and then be like, okay, something needs to be different this time and then go and ask is is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it definitely took me 
I don't want to say time because I've changed my concept of time, but certainly, um, let's say the work, putting in the work to get there. Um, and, and a lot of that was the work that we did together. And I fully agree with you that people who are disconnected, that have been denying their needs for so long, don't recognize them. It's such a weird thing that happens where the need pops up and you just immediately dismiss it. But when you start doing the work, um, which maybe we can define what I mean by the work, but when you start doing it, it's like you slow that moment down where you allow yourself to recognize that need. And maybe you don't do anything with it, but you kind of see it come up. Right. And then eventually you do start saying, oh, I could do something with this need. Yeah, and so maybe you could say a little bit more about that. And I guess also the the difference for you between not recognizing a need, identifying a need, and then also being able to express it from from all all aspects, I guess. So like how it how you work through it for you from a body perspective, from a mind set perspective, maybe bringing in some of your intuition, intuitive stuff as well. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think this came up um, in the extended version of the Happy Families group we did, but or that we're currently doing, but um, the, the Maslow's hierarchy, where a lot of us, and myself included for a while, consider our needs to be the very bottom rung, which is like food and shelter and that sort of thing. But all of the things in the hierarchy are our needs, right? We can't deny the fact that we also have the need for safety and the need for emotional security. And, um, you know, the the need, I, I should, there come my dogs. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear them. <laughs> um, I should have the hierarchy pulled up in front of me. But anyways, I'm thinking, oh, I have a roof over my head. I have clothes. I shouldn't be concerned about anything else, right? Anything else is just extraneous. And I shouldn't want to ha- like find my work meaningful or have a positive relationship with people where I can express the different things that I need to or feel angry and it's okay. Um, so a lot of those things, I think, just sort of get suppressed or like it's not okay for somebody to say that at work and I want to be able to to talk about that. And so that's what I mean when I say needs is like, it's not just the very, very basic bare bones needs, which of course are important, but it, it's the things that go beyond that. Yeah, and then how would you describe the work? So what is what is the work that allows you to get to that place of, these are my needs and, and I can express them? Yeah, well, I think that it kind of depends on where you start off. Um, for a lot of people just recognizing their thoughts is really a good place to start. Um, and that's why I think mindset work is so popular is because you know we have so many thoughts every day and we can start recognizing that not everything that runs through our head is fact and most of the time it's not, right? <laughs> and so I think that is a useful place to start. Um, and then once you sort of understand mindset work and you know the power of intentional or positive thinking, um, moving into more of the body work or the somatics and that's a lot of the work that we do together and really that's recognizing what am I actually feeling in my body physically when I have this thought or when I'm in this situation and then what does my body want to do with that energy 
for a lot of us, um, it feels weird to be so in our body because we spend so much time in our head. I mean, many of us have jobs where we're only relying on our like fingers to type and our head to think. Um, so to get into the other aspects of your body, um, it feels weird, but eventually it, I think it feels very comforting to, to notice our breath. Like how is our breath affected when we're in a situation? Um, I, experience we'll call them like bad or uh, negative emotions although I don't believe there's negative or positive but the negative emotions like I experience a lot of tension in my chest or like tightening in my stomach those sorts of things and I don't have to do anything with it but it is useful to notice oh this is here maybe I want to maybe it's a sign that like something isn't quite right or I need to address something here. You know, what is happening? Can I explore it a little bit deeper? And then um, you really taught me how to actually, um, I like the word metabolize, like how to, to metabolize that energy. So I notice that I have a tightening in my chest. Like, what is it that my body wants me to do? And you would think that the, like, it would be weird to ask that question to yourself. But it's not because the body like right away, something will just like come up and there's that self-trust that comes in um, where you're like, oh, my body wants to curl into itself and trusting like it's OK to do that. Right. And it actually feels really good. Yeah. And then and then the release that is able to happen on the back of that. And I think, you know, you're right. We spend so much time in our heads disconnected from our bodies. But there is this there is this world of knowledge and information that we can access when we can get back in touch with what's going on below the neck. You know, and there's always a really good reason why we will have disconnected from our bodies in some way. Um, but when we can come back to that and listen to it and pay attention, it does open up so much more. And one of the, it seems to be an opposite, um, a podcast for like me dropping little things but one of the things that really resonated with me when I was first signed off with stress off work with stress was if we listen to our body when it whispers we won't have to hear it swing and I joined a coaching program that you're in as well um gosh two and a half years ago maybe now and there would always be like these people like people would go in there and ask for coaching and people would be like just feel it in your body feel it all the way through your body yeah, you just need like that emotion, find that emotion and like feel it in your body. And I'd be like, I get what they're saying. But what on earth are they on about feel it in my body? You know, and I didn't, and I wasn't saying that from a place of being aware that I was disconnected. But I was just like, what is this like random tool that these people have got of like, just feel it in your body. And I remember the first time that I was able to connect into the emotion in my body. The emotion was shame. Mm. Um, which wasn't the, wasn't the nicest one to like first connect in with but learning to stay with that shame and feel it and allow it to do its thing was the most freeing thing I ever did and I was in a business mastermind at the time and my next month was my biggest ever month because I'd released all of this stuff through through my body um and it was just so interesting to see, oh, actually, when I connect down here, things take its course. And one of the one of the things that I learned in the certification that I did was this whole maxim around two things, actually. Healing is natural. 
and all of life is moving towards healing and regeneration, right? And if we can put our bodies in that place where they're regulated, where they're getting what they need, they will take the very natural process of unwinding the patterns, of healing, of, of resolving. We've just kind of forgotten and our modern life way of living, particularly in the West, is just counter to a lot of that. So a lot of the work that I do and a lot of the work that we've done together or that we've done in the groups and things, a lot of it is just about remembering, teaching our bodies to remember how to be, how to live, how to pay attention to what we need and then how to get to a place where we can actually take, take action on the back of that. Yeah, one of the patterns that I noticed um, through our work together that I would never have consciously come to on my own, it had to be done through the body, the somatic work, is that I always thought I was in trouble when like an authority figure contacted me at work. Like that was my instant visceral response was like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? And I never, I didn't realize I was having that pattern the way that I responded though, is I got really tense and I started like managing the conversation in my head with here are all the things that I need to do to make sure that I'm not in trouble and that everything's okay. And um, I think that's one of the things that led to burnout is because I was always over offering to make the situation okay. And physically that felt like, like, a, like my whole body tensed up, like my torso tensed up. And I, um, you know, that I have TMJ stuff that perpetuates it. Like my jaw would get like really tight and I'd stop breathing almost just in that free state of like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Even though I was never in trouble, like I'm a high performer. I constantly get rave reviews. Like there's no reason for me to be concerned about being in trouble, but that was always my response, which was a pattern from childhood that just carried into my academic life and then my professional life. And it didn't really have a basis um, for my current life, but it just continued on. And so recognizing that pattern and noticing it real time and then starting to unravel it was so useful. And it created getting or resolving it created such a better work experience for me. I didn't have to go through all of that stress like I'm in trouble every time my boss contacted me. Yeah, yeah, because then that means that in future, the email or the contact or the meeting request that goes in the diary doesn't have to have so much negative charge attached or, or so much like energy. Like, What am I trying to say? So, you know, if I think about how I might have responded to that kind of thing, the email comes in, you go through every possible worst case scenario in your mind about what the hell this meeting requests for and what you've done wrong. And, uh, and even as I'm saying it now, I just feel like my breath's getting shallow, my chest's getting tight. All that. And it's like, no. But from that place of I've moved through this pattern, it's like, oh, I wonder what you want. I wonder what she wants. Yeah, let's not gender stereotype about it. <laughs> it's it's mostly guys I work with. You're yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I went to what they want. Um, and I think that's, you know, it, it's just a much easier way of being. And it's very different from a mindset-only approach, which isn't necessarily negative, of 
the email comes in, the message comes in, and we tell ourselves, I am safe, I am safe, this email can't kill me, um, it could be anything, because because we're still having to deal with the visceral response of the chest being tight, the breath being shallow, and all of the rest of it. And so where where for me the, the body work comes in as a nice complement and addition is that we work to resolve that visceral response in the first place so there is less management having to go on like we manage as we learn but there's less management because then we're able to respond and receive these communications from a much more relaxed and curious place rather than what's gonna happen to me yeah yeah and it really was just to get them off my back I don't you know I don't want to be in this situation type of response but um, you know, when we are in those quote unquote fight or flight type of responses or those freeze responses, we don't have access to creativity or our ability to think critically through situations. It's literally just get me out of the situation. Whereas when I'm able to receive a meeting request from my boss, I'm I'm curious, I'm interested. I I'm thinking about, you know, what it is that we can do, what I can do to help or resolve the situation or whatever the whatever it is. It's so much more useful and you know, I'll use the word productive. Yeah, and from a from a nervous system perspective, it's it's being able to stay within your window of tolerance when you get the when you get the email. So so the email, the interaction doesn't create a dysregulation in the nervous system. It doesn't create a sympathetic activation. It doesn't overwhelm the system and cause a little bit of a freeze response. Like, you know, there might be a little bit of an activation, but actually you stay within that space of like I can deal with this thing in front of me and I think that as well is what's so powerful about some of this work is that it increases our capacity to roll with the punches of life essentially without it being so destabilizing for us yeah absolutely and you know I think people get into that sort of black and white thinking of like oh I either do work or I do somatic work or one's better than the other but it really like you said is a compliment it's kind of like supercharging all of the work that we can do and it's not effective um I see this a lot in in the coaching world where we just kind of force ourselves into these you know they're called like intentional models or like how we want to be thinking and if our body doesn't believe it it just doesn't land right. You can say it as many times as you want, but you can't force yourself to believe something that your body really doesn't believe. And you can tell when your body doesn't believe. Yeah. Yeah. So tell. like so so I was on a retreat last week, as you know. And you know, one of the 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 we did this a lot of these breathwork sessions, and there was often this um voice from the front saying, you know, just tell yourself, I am safe, I am safe. And I'm like, yeah, but if you don't believe you're safe. Yeah. <laughs> your body's not going to go. Your body's going nowhere. It doesn't want to go. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you tell yourself you're safe. If you don't feel safe, your body will protect you. Your nervous system will protect you because that's literally its job to keep you alive. Yeah. And um, it's just sometimes it gets the signals a little bit wrong. So the other thing that I want to ask you about, so you talked then about how um, certainly the bosses, but I know generally you work in quite a male environment, like corporate environment and I'm interested for you how you bring in some of the the more intuitive work that you do within that space so I know that you've done stuff before I think the like the platform is like woo in the workplace 
Yeah. I think my version of Wu and your version of Wu and like other people's version of Wu might be might be very different. It's gotta be pretty out there for me to consider it to be Wu. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, do you wanna say a little bit about that? Yeah, I actually wrote that down, so I'm glad you asked. Um yeah, so just to set the stage, I do work in a male dominated environment. So I work in um IT and my client is the government and also the military and pretty much everybody I work with is former military and they'll have to be male. So it is, um, to my mind, it's the complete opposite of where intuition would be welcomed. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, on the, on the whole, we do manage things in a very sort of, cost schedule performance and it is a very I don't want to use the wrong word here but I guess authoritative type command and control type of environment um but because I believe in intuition and I see it work for myself and others I'm always intentionally looking for examples of intuition and so it's I think it's kind of fascinating that we spend so much time building plans because they almost and we put so much value in them they almost never pan out either as we expected or to the timeline that we expected them to something always happens right so we put all of this time and energy into developing these plans and and we're like this is the best way to operate but really it isn't i mean if if i don't know if anybody's done any studies on like how many plans actually even like 80% meet what was originally planned. I would love to know. I think somebody should do a study on that. But in my experience, we almost never deliver on time or to cost. And it's pretty standard in, in IT. Um, but I'm always looking for examples of intuition. Um, I hear the most technical, most you know, male people saying things like, well, my gut says, or you know, I just have this feeling, I can't explain it, I don't know why, but, or they they like to use the word think, but the way that it's said in the context is it sounds like feel. And people will make decisions based on that. And they're often not wrong. Yeah, and I love that. And I would think, I get, it's like that innate wisdom. Mm-hmm that we all have inside of us um but that again often we lose contact with yeah because we're so used to being told what to think by the media or you know whoever yeah I mean even for myself I can tell pretty clearly and early on if somebody's going to be a good fit for the position or not mm. I just get a feeling you just get a sense and so how do you think that you benefit and your work benefits from from bringing in that intuitive point I mean it sounds like they're all kind of doing it anyway without necessarily realizing but how do you think it benefits how do you benefit I think that it allows me to be more open to different possibilities um because I'm not so tied up in this is the one plan that we're following. And if it doesn't go to T, the world falls apart. Um, it allows me to come up with ideas to, to source what other people might be feeling about a situation and to trust that people 
kind of know what it is that needs to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And is there anything else that you wanted to add about about work or burnout or or anything that we've talked talked through today? I know you said just then like you've got something written down. So what, yeah, what, um, what have we not talked about that's on your list? <laughs> so if for people, I have a few things. So for people who are interested in um, using their intuition, especially if they're in like a, we'll say like a non-creative space. How about that? Um, I think a really good place to start is on the things that don't seem like a big, big deal. So like maybe you don't create your multi-million dollar project plan off of intuition if that's not something that you're used to using but perhaps you can find small ways to use it throughout your day like creating more space in your work day or um you know pretty much everybody in my experience their intuition wants them to get outside more and move more throughout their work day and so finding ways that you can bring that in or if there's small things you can do to make very small you know, non-widely impactful decisions, use your intuition and just see if it works out and start to note where you see intuition popping up. Because once you look for it, you will notice it coming up more and more. So that's just a quick way to start bringing intuition into your workday. It's like paying attention to where life is leading you and like, where are you, what, what are the nudges that you're getting and what happens when you lean into and pay attention to those? Yeah, yeah. Like when you notice something doesn't feel right, just notice it and then see what happens. Yeah. You don't even have to do anything about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to go back to some of like the work, I'm using the air quotes, the work, because I think that there's this sense of, some people might be hesitant to get into it because they don't want to be, I think there's a sense that it's like, I'm just going to be crying all the time and it's going to be terrible and it's never going to end or, you know, I'll just, uncontrollably start sobbing in the middle of a meeting and it's just going to be crazy. Um, and my experience has been that the actual somatic work is, it happens very quickly. Like the when you allow the feelings to pass through your body, um, it happens relatively quickly. It's, it's like minutes, I almost, I want to say. And, and it's not as terrible as you imagine it to be. Um, I think that the benefit that I've seen from doing it is that it gets to the root problem so much faster. Like you can spend a long time doing the thought work and changing your thoughts and that sort of thing, but bringing in the somatic work like just gets to it right away. Yeah, it's a very, very efficient way of working. And I think you're right. Like so often we're so terrified of well, what happens if I take the lid off the box and what happens if I let this out and what's going to happen? And then it happens. And it's not like it's the most comfortable experience in the world. But it's like almost immediately you get this sense of release and freedom and like it's easier to breathe and there's an openness. And it's like, oh, oh, it's all right. Yeah. And now I'm knackered, but it's all right. Yeah. 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 And I wanted to share um, some of my feedback about working with you is like every time we had a, a session, I really wanted to like talk endlessly about things. And you would just be like, nope, go into your body and tell me how you feel, what's going on. And the difference between doing that versus just talking about it 
is that uh, when I just talk about it, it's almost like you go in circles. And when we bring in the somatic work, I just, I left every session just feeling so invigorated, physically invigorated. Like I had more energy actually after the session. And I always created these very deep connections so quickly. Like it was so apparent to me why things were the way they were doing this work. And I, and I always felt like your the space that you hold was just accessible and gentle and safe. And you always told us, you know, you don't have to do a lot to create a big impact. It could just be a few minutes a day and it's going to have a huge impact on your system. And um, what did I want to say about that? I think what I wanted to say about that is, for me, and I think this is different for everyone, I will stop. Like, so I will do a combination of talking and bodywork. So some coaches will just use the somatic bodywork stuff. So the entire session will be with the body. And I think for me, and this might change over time, but where I am right now, actually, I find the combination so powerful. So it's like, what's a bit of the story? What's a bit of the conversation? Then where does the body want to lead us? And then what's left? What's left once we've gone through the body? Because you could write, you could spend a whole session chatting it through, but sometimes you let the body do what it needs to do and the conversation is no longer needed or the conversation that is needed is a completely different conversation. And you can go places that you would just never get to by just talking stuff through. It's like all of a sudden you're in your body and a visual pops in or something else pops in and it's like, whoa, what? Um, yeah. 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 I know that we spent most of the time talking about work um, and you know, keeping it sort of in that arena, but I wanted to share that over the course of the Happy Families program, which is the first iteration of Address and Unlock, um, my mom died unexpectedly. And this was about maybe two thirds of the way through the program. And I think that having those tools that I learned and was practicing made the experience so much better. Not that having your mom dying could be a great experience, but it was, I had a lot of tricky family dynamics to work through. And I still had to work and be married and, and live my life. And there were still things going on, right? And so having having that, having the tools that I learned and the support from the group and you just made it such a better experience. And I think, and by better, I mean, I didn't bottom out. I didn't fall apart because I was able to be present with myself and my body and give myself what I needed and ask for what I needed. Yeah, and, and thanks for sharing that. And I know you sort of said a little bit there about like I was able to be present and give myself what I needed, but how specifically, if there is anything else and if there isn't, don't worry about it, but how specifically do you feel that the tools helped? How, what did it help you navigate differently? What was the experience? So there was a point where certain people were withholding information that was going to be really important for people to make travel arrangements and decisions. And I decided that it wasn't, what they were saying wasn't good enough and I needed more. And so I went out and gave that to myself. Um, 
I did not make myself available to communicate with certain people or I changed the level that I communicated with them because I decided that in the moment, what I needed was space and not to get involved in the challenges of that, of those relationships and communication that comes through in those relationships. Um, I allowed myself to cry. I, I just recently was unpacking Christmas decorations that my mom had sent me months ago. And I just started crying. My husband came around the corner. He's like, what's going on? I thought we were setting up the Christmas tree, but the crying didn't last very long. It was just a few moments, but giving myself the opportunity to do that, um, throughout, you know, her funeral and, and afterwards, just when I needed to cry, crying was really useful. Um, feeling angry about things that had happened in the past. You, you shared this concept of the pillars where, you know, there's the things that happened and then um, I'm forgetting what is the second pillar. Well, it's like there's your parents who you love and you care about, but then also there's some other stuff that happened that wasn't yeah. okay. And it's like, you can still love them and have a nice space for them. And also there still gets to be stuff over here that wasn't okay that you get to look at. Yeah, yeah, okay, perfect. So that was really useful for me because I was grieving that my mom was dead and also very angry at her for a lot of the things that had ha transpired over the last several years in our relationship. And knowing that it was okay for both things to be there I didn't have to only grieve her or I could grieve her and be angry at her yeah which I think is so important because we can get so bound up in like well what emotions are acceptable at this point in time and what am I allowed to do and what am I meant to be feeling versus no like I'm just going to give myself permission to feel whatever it is that needs to be felt um and thank you for sharing that I think the other thing that I want to say, which is great, is you're right, like in complex dynamics, um, particularly dynamics that have been in play for a long, long time, it can be very easy to sort of get swept up into the vortex or the drama or the stories, and actually holding that space of, well, no, there's a healthy boundary here. Like, this is how I'm going to choose to interact in this situation. This is how I'm not going to interact. This is how I'm going to take care of myself. Again, it's just such an amazing place to get to. So well done you in obviously very difficult and upsetting circumstances yeah I mean it it, it was <laughs> I wouldn't say it was great but it was pretty amazing what I was able to do for myself and you know everybody there were a lot of people that reached out and wanted to help and I allowed myself to accept that which was also nice and to tie it back to work you know I did take time off and and created space for myself there too so yeah and all in all I think just um the tools that you offer make life easier if I had to sum it up I love that thank you yeah and they're not always necessarily easy to learn and apply but they do make life easier yeah is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap up today? thank you and it's always a pleasure I'm happy I get to spend some of my day with you yeah and me too and so before we go tell people I mean obviously I don't imagine necessarily that the readers will the readers the listeners will want to come and join you in your IT work um <laughs> but they but they might want to explore doing some work with you or want to look you up um to see more about well actually how in how in this environment in your work are you bringing in stuff around intuition I know you talk a lot about burnout and things as well um 
and how you bring all of these pieces together, the mindset, the intuition, the body work, the navigating, doing your coaching work with having a corporate job and being a leader in that space as well. So I think there's lots of things there that people might be like, oh, yeah, I want to go and look at this. So where can people find you? Um, on all the socials, probably the one that's most accessible to people is Instagram. So it's at emily.slahetka. And I imagine we'll link to that because my last name is ridiculous. <laughs> or you could have a look at my website, which is um, www.emilyslahetka.com. Amazing. And um, there will be show notes that go with this. And so it will all be linked in there. Perfect. Right. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on, on Emily. And I I suspect you'll be on again. <laughs> Wonderful. I'd be happy to. <laughs> all right. Take care. Bye. Bye.